0: Welcome to the Rob at Desk Podcast. I'm Rob Blasey. Today, we talk to Christy Lee.
1: I'm a journalist that's made a commitment to be a voice for the voiceless. I was like, then I want to talk to more people like this that are being actively suppressed.
0: She's an independent journalist who maybe we'll call her an expert. You'll get that if you listen. We talk about what corporate media is doing and how they're doing it and so much more. Take a listen. so Much for joining me today.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having
0: me. Yeah, no, noticed. uh, I don't know how we got connected on Facebook or how whatever you posted once, but I'm sure it's Toledo connections, one way or the other. (laughs) So,
1: absolutely. I mean, Toledo has a way of keeping everyone connected.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, is it just Toledo? Like, are you from Toledo, by the way?
1: I grew up in Mommy, okay? So, so, yeah,
0: yeah. just outside of Toledo, yeah, Yeah. northwest Ohio. how come when whenever you're from Toledo and you're talking to people, there's always a connection? Like, oh, we watched the Ravens game. You know, Jim Harbaugh spent some time in Toledo. It's there's always yeah. a connection to Toledo somehow. You're like every team or organization or Katie is. Katie
1: Holmes, everybody will be like, oh, Katie Holmes is from there.
0: Oh yeah, like so. What's the biggest celebrity? You <laughs> I
1: on like a late late night show. She was like, well, I don't really consider myself from Toledo because I've been, spent most of my time in New York. It's like, geez, lady, thanks for throwing
0: us. Yeah. On. Ouch, ouch, that would hurt. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, like, who's the, what's the biggest name now out of Toledo? We got uh, clearly Jamie Farr's up there.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. Jamie Farr. I mean, all of the major golf events revolve around him.
0: Uh, obviously, And can't... then
1: isn't there a Adri- Adrian Palicki or something? She was on Friday Night Lights, I think. She's from there.
0: Yeah. And isn't it funny, too, by the I way? I think she
1: went to Whitmer.
0: Okay. I mean, obviously, you got Jamie Jackson from Ohio State, who beat the Fab Five by himself. I'm trying to think. Yeah, no, it's just kind of fun. Now, maybe you're the next one from Toledo. <laughs>
1: who knows? Let's <we'll> see. <laughs> right. So good or bad, fame is fame, right? <laughs>
0: right. I, I don't know. That's a interest. That's an interesting dilemma. Would you want it? In a, which way would you want it?
1: Uh, I mean, obviously you want a good reputation, right? But right. I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I'm willing to I'm willing to have like a not so great rep- reputation if it's for the right reasons. Yeah, okay. and, it, and I believe it's for the right reasons. I believe that I'm standing up for what I believe in and I'm following my convictions. And so if there's some that don't like that, I'm okay with that.
0: <laughs> yes, let's talk about that. So you used to work as we'll call it mainstream media hmm. And then and now you're doing things independent. How did you first off, how did you get into media in the first place?
1: Well, I mean, it's something I always wanted to do. It sounds so cliche, but like as a kid, it was my my parents are like, oh, you know, she's the youngest. She's the baby. She's always performing. Um, so they, they knew I wanted would want to do something that would require some kind of performance aspect to it. And then I was also that kid that was asking questions constantly. And so they would jokingly call me little reporter. And that just kind of stuck with huh. me when I was figuring out what I wanted to do when I grew up. And, um, you know, I went through the maybe I'll be a teacher. By the way, thank God I didn't shoot that. Oh. <laughs> I not think I would have survived. <laughs> um, and then I went through uh, a phase where I was like, maybe I want to be a lawyer. But I was thinking of all the courtroom drama, which is I think as you get older, you realize it's like maybe 10% of that of the career. And I want to be a I lawyer when I watch
0: it. Suits. Yeah? <laughs> After watching Suits, <laughs> if, like, yeah. It was
1: the courtroom, yeah, it was the courtroom drama, it'd be great. But, like, I mean, all that paperwork, et cetera, I don't know. If I, yeah, can no. that. I
0: don't know how to file um, a brief. No, I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. And so,
1: I mean, when you're, you're in college, you're supposed to, like, follow your dreams. You're supposed to, I mean, this is kind of how I thought of it. I heard that a super small percentage of people that actually went to college for broadcast journalism, and television journalism, actually did it. And I was like, well, I mean, if I if I don't make it, then I'm just like a lot of other people. So why not try? <laughs> you know what? What's it hurt to try? I could always fall back at something else. <clears throat> so um, did you, say you could did fall to back to
0: sales. I could fall back on something else. Oh, I thought you said you <laughs> like, could fall I'm, back on sales. Like, yeah, anybody could sell something. I'll fall back on sales. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so I just decided to give it a go. I did the whole college news station
1: thing. I went to Bowling Green State University. So our college news station was called BG24. I also did um, internships where I was writing for the Mommy Mirror. Um, and I developed a business section for them when I, uh, doing that. So I guess you could say I kind of started in print and then, um, did internships. I did an internship at WLIO in Lima and just pursued that. I had a, I actually, um, was married, uh, when I was in college and then I ended up getting pregnant like my senior year. And I had an advisor at PG that was like, Well, you know, everybody that breaks into TV news, like, has to travel. You send out tapes because it was that long ago. You send out tapes everywhere, and um, you have to be willing to move. And if you're, like, already pregnant, um, then you should probably look into, like, PR or something. And I I was like – pregnancy hormones and like crying in this advisor's office i'm not gonna say who it was but i was like geez that's not what i want to do like i still want to try for this at least they it's were so honest with you. Look... yeah i guess but it's so crazy to look back on that time because like everything is so much different obviously the tapes is a oh, big yeah. difference but um the other difference is it's like not exactly hard to break into tv news anymore um back then it, it was um but like now we're in a situation where the i i've read that you know um on ladders and everything like they're posting these reporter tv reporter jobs multimedia journalist jobs like crazy like what they're trying to fill these positions in television news
0: why can't so they it's fill just them crazy
1: how times have changed
0: Do they just pay more at McDonald's now more than they do on the TV reporter job?
1: There is so much wrong with – and it's not just what I say as corporate control or the propaganda pushing. There's so much else that's wrong with television journalism today. The pay is one of them. They pay nothing for these young kids to – Um, break into TV journalism because for so long they've gotten away with it. Well, it's competitive. If You want to be in TV news, then pay your dues and we'll pay you less than you're making at McDonald's. But then it's gotten worse and worse. Not only are they paying very little, but they're expecting you to do more and more with less. You know, the old adage, we got to do more with less. (laughs) But I mean, at what this isn't just at the expense of these these young people that want to follow their dreams and and feel like they're doing a civic duty. It's also at the expense of the audience. But to bring it back to the reporter, I mean, we just had saw a reporter that was literally like ran over by a car, right? With, because she had set up her own live shot in the dark at night, and it was over like a water main break story. So. It, it's also this unwritten rule. in in TV news, where like, Oh, we need to have everybody live out there, but then they're sending them out alone because now they expect them to not only shoot and edit, but also set up their own live shots. And then at night, like, wow. <laughs> and for, I mean, what, what was the value in that? I mean, that I don't know if you saw that, but many people have, have seen this reporter that, that, that it happened to, I mean, and she was okay, but she was clearly in shock because she's like, "I'm okay, I'm okay," and they're like still running <laughs> on on her shot. And I'm like, "Oh my goodness! Like this, this is so wrong on so many levels." And it, and it's I feel like we have disrespected our audience. We've <clears throat> we have boiled them down to. Well, they'll be more likely to watch us if we have our reporters out there live, not thinking about like safety concerns or anything else. Like let's let's dumb down our audience and expect that we'll maybe bring them in as viewer if we have them out on live shots where they don't really need to be. And then the other part of it is like what I've become passionate about, disrespecting your audience so heavily to think that you need young green reporters telling them, what they can and cannot hear who they can and cannot hear from and basically putting themselves in this position of the gateway of truth. Like, We'll tell you the truth. Like, you don't, don't think that you can go explore it for yourself or don't think that you can hear from this person that has an opposing view and weigh the evidence yourself. We know better. I mean, that's such a crappy <laughs> way to look at journalism. I mean, excuse me for being so, I guess, frank and juvenile on how I say it, but it is. It's disrespecting the audience.
0: That's you know,
1: a- the audience should be able to hear from both sides and um hear the different opinions and weigh the evidence themselves if not then it's propaganda pushing i mean i had to see pointer institute which i thought was this like regal uh, um institute for protecting the protecting what journalism should be i've had to see them come out with articles that are essentially telling young journalists like we need to guard the way people think and how they think about what we report to them. It's like no, that is the definition of propaganda. Right. <laughs> if you're trying to determine how people think, that's not news. <laughs> that's not delivering information. I mean, and that's what it boils down to is journalism was supposed to be I am the intermediary of getting what this side's saying, what that side's saying, talking to um, the people that saw the news, like, or the situation, if it's a accident or whatever, and then I just deliver it to you. And, and, and now, you know, and with free from opinion, free from, um, going through any fact checks, right? you know, obviously, um, obviously you, you want to do, do diligence when you're, you're putting a story together and there's nothing wrong with that. But um, if you get if you've done a good job at collecting the evidence, um, collecting the information on who you're interviewing, um, then and in giving it context, then you then it will be clear. No, then absolutely. it will be clear to the viewer what the story is.
0: No. So, no, absolutely. Yeah. Would do you think audiences over time though, and uh, for the most part, think less reasonably or logical about a situation, which is a big issue to deal like. They'll catch on to a slogan before they understand the facts.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, because everything has become so polarizing and politicized, you know, it has become um, a lot of slogans. I mean, and you see that. You see that happening. You see all of the pundits, is what I'll call them, saying the same things. Uh, they, it's like you see one news anchor say something and then all of a sudden you see all of them using the same terminology the same phrases um and so it just ends up becoming a like you said a slogan as opposed to um a a quote or a paraphrasing i mean it's one thing to say um that I spoke with Dr. – I'm just making up a name. Well, Dr. John Doe from the University of Toledo, and he said that he feels like the vaccines are safe and effective. Okay, so that might be um, the reasonable way to, to bring the information. Mm-hmm. The unreasonable way is just having all the anchors say, doctors say the vaccines are safe and effective. Doctors say – the yeah, vaccines are safe and effective. Most doctors say the vaccines, I mean, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if you're talking about an individual person and paraphrasing what he's saying, and it's saying that, that's one thing. But if you're just making these blatant statements, of doctors say or experts say. I mean, that's something that's kind of always bothered me in that's a good point. long before this was even an issue. Is this blanket statements of saying experts say or doctors say or because because um, then like
0: say. the like the law of contradiction. Like if they talk about them, well, like if you now disagree with these experts, clearly you're an idiot.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, I just remember, you know. Um, when I would be writing scripts they uh, sometimes like in in on the second reference, let's say. Yeah. Um, I when I was just starting out and I wouldn't really know what to call this person I interviewed or would so frequently be like, Oh, we'll just say, um, the expert says you know <laughs> <laughs> experts just kind of like this like just throw it out there and call somebody an expert if, if the, you know, that's their expertise. But um, I mean, look what, what we have like as the real world example of what's going on right now. So right. we have anchors saying experts say these vaccines are, are completely safe and effective, but we're isolating people that also deserve the title expert. So, so like you, uh, we talked about before, Dr. Robert Malone, yeah. he has, studied and researched vaccines for decades. He sat on the committee for the Department of Defense. He has nine patents that show his contributions at minimum to our mRNA technology, which has become the foundation for these types of vaccines. He is an immunologist, a virologist, a vaccinologist, and he doesn't deserve to be called an expert. I mean, disagree with what he says. Disagree with that he invented mRNA vaccine technology, if you want. But based on all of the thousands of notations he's had in research documents and everything else, how can you not call him an expert if we're going to call the, the smoothie maker at the <laughs> fitness um, street down. Um, a an, an, uh, nutritional expert. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I mean, news does that all the time. Well, we spoke to a health expert and it could be like the smoothie maker on the corner <laughs> of the street. Come on.
0: Right. But you're going to not
1: call this guy who has decades of experience, has helped in the Ebola crisis. You're not going to call him an expert. Why? Who are you to, to, to say that? Oh. I mean, if you're going to throw an expert everywhere else, then he's just as much of an expert as the person that have, has an opposing view of the data.
0: Yeah. People don't like to look at if it doesn't fit their narrative. Like it, it cracks me up. We talk about like the expert in the counter of the expert. I was talking to my buddy, Ben who actually has that CrossFit place in downtown Toledo and It's like the level of being called an expert in fitness is such a low bar and everybody gets to be called <laughs> right. an expert. It's like, what do you do? I took a weekend class. So I'm an expert in fitness now. And it's people even in-
1: have a personal story I can share with that okay. as far as this this term expert real quick before we move on to an, anything else yeah um, so I was a stockbroker and an investment advisor representative what with my family business okay um, I, I earned my licenses uh, to do that type of work while I was in college and earning my broadcasting degree so in 2008 when I first started at uh, Fox 36 before Fox 36 and w2l joined together yep. um, that was my first Toledo broadcasting job um, part of the reason that that sold the news director on hiring me is because I'm like look I'm a stockbroker I'm an investment advisor representative um, I know all about are, allocating, you, are you a fiduciary excuse me
0: are you a fiduciary is am I saying that right fiduciary
1: sh- Um. No, I wouldn't have been considered a fiduciary. We we used fiduciaries, so we didn't have a like our own system. We we had a brokerage house. Okay, but um, I so I ended up doing a weekly segment that was called Market Minute, and it was basically um going over what was happening, and it ended up becoming turning into like an educational thing because every any I tried to to do a story on particular things they would say, Oh, the viewer is not going to understand that. Like, <laughs> so I just I ended up having to like do that. Education thing. But um, in, in, when I pitched like how to introduce me for these segments that I would do, I was like, well, I'm, I'm technically an investment advisor rep. Um, and uh, essentially a rudimentary thing that you could call me as a stock broker. And they're like, Oh, that's, too technical for our viewers. Let's just call you a financial expert.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I felt like uncomfortable with that because I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I have, I earned these licenses. I, I work in investments, but like to me, financial expert seems like, Whoa. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, like I, I needed to know all there was to do, to know about finances to
0: get that kind right. of title. Like uh, um, were you comfortable chose to call me? Uh, yeah, would you were you comfortable if someone goes, "Hey, how should I retire?" answering those questions? I mean,
1: I, I could answer those questions as far as like explaining the difference between Roth IRA and an IRA and 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 how best to save for retirement when you should start them. But I mean, to financial expert like to me, I don't know. At the time, especially being what, 20 something <laughs> so, <laughs> to, be, to be given the title of financial expert was heavy <laughs>
0: you should apply it you should but apply it the federal reserve
1: i know right so but this is to prove a point that they they will throw that term out like a, anything which is what we're already talking about yeah so um it's just it's crazy that we're seeing that now experts say this experts say that but then you isolate people Like Dr. Robert Malone, who is highly deserving of the term expert, and um, and and not like and take his voice away. It's uh, ultimately what they have tried to do. The mainstream news won't interview him. Twitter took him off,
0: you know. And so this is what we're dealing with. Oh, it's that whole story's the my favorite part about listening to him is he has about zero financial gain from anything he says. Where it's mm-hmm. like cuz usually like it's pretty simple to go follow the money why are they saying this? You go mm-hmm. where is there to be gain be made and he's got none and he's saying these things. So then why would he go put mm-hmm. his neck out knowing that the world's going to hate him for what he says? Exactly. I mean, he's been
1: viciously attacked. He's had an Atlantic hit piece written and I mean, as a journalist, I was able to go through and read that whole piece and found multiple errors, multiple contradictions, and, I mean, multiple pieces of missing information. <laughs> Talk about misinformation. What about missing information from your yes. article? Um, because it didn't suit the incentive of why they were writing it. And that's just it. That's another piece missing, hugely, glaringly missing in today's journalism is looking at conflicts of interest. That used to be a major thing. You want to look at conflicts of interest and the motivations of those you're interviewing, but it's like as good as gone. They haven't pointed out the financial interests of, of, of those that they frequently cite and how they could stand to benefit from the narrative they're pushing. Oh, Where yeah. do you see that in any of these news stories? I, and I, like you said, um, they'll, but they'll attack people that have nothing to gain
0: yeah, <laughs> other I, than ridicule. It's happened for years like on CNBC and some of these like especially like the market watch shows where like they're interviewing people who have actively shorted stocks and then they go on TV and bash stocks. It's like how Mm -hmm. is that legal either?
1: Exactly. Well, how is it legal? I mean, I guess it is. But I mean, there's obviously something fundamentally wrong with the amount of people in Congress that are just being able to (laughs) make money hand over fist. I thought there already was a
0: rule about that, wasn't there?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess we're living in a society where rules as, long as don't matter half the time. So right,
0: oh yeah, no, that that one when I heard like they did, I swore they had maybe they bypassed the rules or wrote them off at some point. But I thought like a lot of at least maybe it was the president, like all his finances go into like a blind trust when mm-hmm. in office or something. So it's like
1: well, I mean, we've seen Nancy Pelosi certainly make a lot of money off of. Um, Inside knowledge, Dan Crenshaw on the other side, I think has even beat her out. Um, So you have Democrats and Republicans alike. That's another thing that's frustrating is like since I've come out as an independent journalist, I've been, I'll say, accused of being like right wing and Republican. And I'm like, you're just playing into all of this. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm an independent. I'm reporting independently. And um, I think we need to change this mindset of R versus D, red versus blue, and get back to we the people against the politicians and elite.
0: Right? (laughs) You know, you got to tell people you side that's more
1: unifying and a more fair way of looking at it because they're guilty on both sides. I mean, I will always say that Fox is, is guilty of a lot of the same things that CNN and MSNBC are guilty of as well. I call them both out.
0: Oh yeah. We well, got to start telling out. you got to start telling people you just identify as an independent and you can't tell, take that away. Yeah. I I uh, if, you,
1: if you say otherwise you're just discriminating against what I, I identify
0: are you, as. Are you saying what? You can't tell me I can't identify that as that? Yeah. So yeah. Exactly. That's a whole other rabbit hole. So then you yeah. uh, So you started off You know, doing the doing the college thing through journalism and get doing the internships and being a financial expert in your early twenties, telling people how they should invest on T V, which is amazing. And then (laughs) and so you, you got there. What what then pushed you to go? Obviously we've already talked about some of it, but like what pushed you over the edge to go, screw you guys, I'm going independent.
1: Well, I mean, the first step, I guess in in everything was um, getting out of toledo so yeah, basically um i that was the first step. Um, so I had i was homeschooled, then I went to mommy high school, went to Bowling Green State University, and then I worked the majority of my career in Toledo and so grateful and thankful that things worked out to that I was able to um, progress or, or go up the ladder, if you will, and make it to that spot by Jerry Anderson. I mean, that oh, was yeah. that was huge. The franchise that was so huge for me, and I never want to like um, downplay that at all because uh, that was that was a dream. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. that was I I watched Jerry Anderson growing up, and then all of a sudden I got to stand next to him and deliver the news, and I still have a lot of respect for him and. He made the work experience great and unfortunately only got like a year and a half with him before he ended Did, up retiring. Didn't
0: he retire to drive school buses?
1: <laughs> I wouldn't say he retired to drive school buses. But like he retired and was I like, I'm going to drive it. kids to school. Uh, I'm not really sure what led to that, but I mean, it was great hearing hearing the stories of <laughs> what he was experiencing as a school bus driver. But um, I mean, oh. he's obviously stayed connected and in the community and I think he's still doing his show leading edge if i'm not
0: oh like yeah him. no i i, have yeah. not, I haven't been I'm in sure toledo in years that. and like i have no idea on that but i heard the stories like my you know i i still have friends in the radio out there so it's fun mm-hmm. so yeah so okay so you yeah, start so, so all right so, so you,
1: basically i came to this crossroads like where my contract was ending at channel 11 and i i could extend it or i could um let, or, or not, obviously. Um, so before I had taken a job at Channel 11, um, I was looking to make a move at that point. Um, and was, was, there was a lot of interest in like, even top five markets, you know, making a big leap. I had an agent out of New York that Signed me, and um then Eleven came back pretty aggressively, and I told my agent out of New York like, "I'm sorry, I got to take this. Like, let's relook at this like in a few years." And um, and yeah, when I was c- getting toward the end of my contract with Eleven, I was just like, "Man, my kids are getting older. If I don't get out of this like bubble and I and experience the world, you know, I've done all this travel, but." As far as like my life, I've grown up, went to school here, done my whole career here like if I want to like see the world if you will and yeah. truly experience something different, I have to do it now and um and so when California came calling, I was like, really God, like all the way across the country California' <laughs> I was like. I made mean, all the way there, but I, on my little wish list, I was like somewhere warm <laughs> because obviously, you know, growing oh. up in Toledo, like oh, those oh. winters—I spent so many times oh, reporting and in snow up to my knees. <laughs> you know? oh. like I was like, I remember pr- sunny would be nice.
0: I used to produce morning radio talk shows out there, and waking up at February and three and four in the morning, and the car couldn't even warm up in time by the time you got to the station. Oh. Mm -hmm. yeah it was brutal yeah and it's like cold to the bones that humid cold and I'm out in Colorado and it's a way different cold out here than it is in Ohio Ohio's brutal but Colorado
1: it's super cold super gloomy
0: (laughs) oh you don't even like we have 300 days of sunlight on average out here so I I feel like I upgraded from leaving out of Toledo
1: yeah it it makes a big difference to have the sun (laughs) oh (laughs) my gosh um so at least it checked it box of like being warmer and sunnier and it delivered for sure. Um, so yeah, huge move, taking the kids out there, um, and everything. And, uh, one of the things I was most excited about in doing news outside of Toledo was after you spend a certain amount of time doing news in Toledo, like you would anywhere, like you would in any market, you have things that are important to your viewers um so you're t- talking about a lot of the same subjects a lot of the time and then you have your typical festivals okay and now it's the time of year that we talk about the german oh, Festival, yeah. and that's the time of year that we talk about the the zoo and the lights and and so it gets it gets repetitive it does and oh, yeah. um and so one of the things i was most excited about was learning about a different area and what was important to them and learning about those subjects and I'm, I move out to California and it was March 16th was my start date. And, um, that was right about the time the pandemic really kicked off. So, um, it went from being able to talk about different things important to another community to pretty much every day was Corona, 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 um, and, uh, Trump and Biden, I mean, everything was election or pandemic election or pandemic. Um, and it, so it wasn't exactly the talk, getting <laughs> to talk about these subjects I was hoping for.
0: Yeah, no, that's a but, change. That's Yeah, a lot. bad timing, right? Right. And being in California again. Yeah.
1: And then, yes. And then being in California, seeing just how draconian <laughs> they handled Oh my
0: gosh. It
1: compared to some other areas. I couldn't even send my kids to school um, that year because I didn't feel comfortable with what was being taught. Most of the schools weren't even like open because of the pandemic. So I homeschooled all three of my kids, um, that year. And How old are um, your kids? They, right now they're 14, 12 and, uh, oh no, 14. <laughs> my son's about to be 12. Okay. He's 11 and my other son's 10. Oh. 10, 11, 14. Nice. Two so, boys you, and a
0: girl. so you got you got your you got your hands full there alone t- doing homeschool.
1: Yeah, I, and at the time I was alone, single mom, and out with three kids. But I I did get married back oh, in, con- at home. Congratulations in mommy. Oh nice sidecut
0: park. Nice um, back in July
1: Very before good. we moved here to Texas. So
0: oh now you're in Texas now. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was trying to keep <laughs> trying to It's connect been a dots. wild wild ride. Yeah, no, Texas is one of my favorite countries. So. <laughs> I mean, it might as well be a country. <laughs> oh, I I, did, I spent about we have six our months. own set
1: of rules here. <laughs> oh, it's a
0: different country down there. I don't care what anybody says.
1: No. So, but to get back to your question, you said what was like what was what the breaking point. To, the breaking point for me was um, the frontline doctors when the frontline doctors were completely shut down um, and on social media and then vilified. Um, through mainstream media, I was like, this doesn't make sense at all to me. I said, you have a group of doctors saying one thing, and, you know, obviously there's maybe a larger group, you could say, um, saying a different thing. But to shut them down, I mean, they're doctors, and then there's other doctors. Like, since when, as a journalist, do I determine who who gets to – to give their analysis of the data or the current situation, even if it's a minority, I mean the, one of the tenets of journalism is to be a voice for the voiceless, and I saw these doctors get their voices taken away and what they had to say taken away arbitrarily. And you know, if I'm a journalist that's made a commitment to be a voice for the voiceless, I was like, well, then i I want to talk to more people like this that are being actively suppressed and actively not listen to and it was just eerie to me because i was watching people that i worked with before like cheering it on and um just such an arrogancy about it like yeah we got to protect the information that could gets... and i was like no that's not your job you're not the gateway to truth. You're not the gateway to information. You're just supposed to tell me what doctors are saying what, especially if there's differing views and, and analysis. You tell me these doctors say this, and you can even say a larger majority say this. But also, I don't know, here's a valid idea. While you're at it, analyze the conflicts of interest that may, may be at play and the motivations on both sides Stop <laughs> you know? it. Stop like it. Old, like
0: journalism used to be what um
1: i know no. so that was that was the breaking point for me I'm like something weird is going on and then um i started knowing as my eyes were it's a funny thing when you start your eyes start to open on things you start to notice more and um and as my eyes were being more and more opened, I was noticing more in my scripts where there would be just sentences that wouldn't say according to, or wouldn't say, doctors say this, or they would just be like statements, like, oh. <laughs> like vaccines are safe and effective <laughs> as an example. And that would be like in my prompter and it'd be like, um, according to who, like if I'm saying that, then the viewer thinks that I'm saying that. And, the viewer is not supposed to care what me as the talking head thinks i'm just the person that's supposed to bring you what people are saying so when there was um that's just a random example but there was a lot of times where there would just be like this like fact statement but it wouldn't have a source i'm like that's not how news works where's
0: my source in that where do you think that came from was that like uh like how that started like i mean you could put your conspiracy theory hat on and go is there like a a a, a circle table with a whole bunch of important people you know telling other people what they should be saying or is it just like groupthink? or I think it
1: was corporate directives I mean because when it comes down to it the news that we get is so much more limited than people realize so I always have said that your best bet at getting True and fair news is at the local level because they're in your community, chances mm-hmm. are they're going to care about the same things that you care about. And there's a little bit more control at the, at the local level, but local news still always has like national um, blocks, if you will. And the national blocks, again, are so, so limited on where you're getting this information from. So, we tend to use AP Newswire, which most people are familiar with, yep. Associated Press. Um, and then, um, at every pretty much every news station I've ever worked at, we would use Fox News Edge. So, it would be um, packages and uh, stories coming down from Fox. And we would also use CNN News Source, so it was CNN Stories. And then, beyond that, would be um, so. My, the, my last employer was owned by Sinclair, then it would be Sinclair Network, so the Sinc- Sinclair um, Group. So, I mean, if you're thinking about it, that's like I've only named off like four sources for national news, uh, like a Fox angle, a CNN angle, an AP angle, and then who owns your your company. Their news network. And then um, if you dig deeper on that, you'll find that a lot of the ownerships, or the advertising or the corporate dollars that are at play um, is among all of those limited sources. Right. You know, it's the same places. I mean, that's why we saw that funny um, compilation that came out before oh, yeah. that was like sponsored by Pfizer, sponsored by Pfizer, sponsored <laughs> by Pfizer. Cause it's like, I mean, Pfizer sponsoring, you know, half of where this information is coming from. Um, so you already so you already have like a limited number of sources and then um with the corporate directives, I, I mean very much I think top down is they determine, well, I mean, for example, it's I don't think it's far off to say, well, we get a huge part of our budget for this operation from Pfizer, so we better make sure that we're framing everything in the best way possible. In <laughs> light for mm-hmm. Pfizer products, I don't think that's a big leap <laughs> to, to say that that they're saying this at the top, and then um, and then they they run with it. So one of the examples that I use now is we saw that story come out with KFOR and um about uh, ivermectin patients o- overdosing, were crowding um, uh, up hospitals and holding up ambulances that story spread like wildfire fire mm-hmm. so um this was one local news station and it was owned by next so every other local news station across the country that was owned by Nexstar could run this story in their newscast, and they did. And when they saw that, uh, oh, that's a juicy story. Rolling Stone picked it up. MSNBC picked it up. So they were all running with the same exact one story, which if you dug deeper on, only had one source, one doctor that was saying this. And then when you someone bothered to vet it. Um, and I, myself and my husband just made a few phone calls. We found that, that, that there was no truth to it. And obviously it got exposed. We weren't the only ones exposing it, but all it took was a few phone calls to these hospitals that were mentioned. And, um, and also we dug deep on that doctor, their one source for for the information. Um, and he had, uh, had marks on, on his record, you know, of like, Medical malpractice, and, you know, and things like that. So it's like, gosh, they didn't even bet the one source used for their story. Th- then all the other next door owned stations ran with the story, which then got picked up by national. And so that's how this this true misinformation story um, spread like wildfire across the whole country.
0: Wow! And
1: I think that that's happening the other way too. You have a directive. Um, from network or for from the company that owns a lot of these news stations and then all these news stations, they run that and their story and it can all be from just one directive like we need a positive story on how this how the vaccine supposedly saved somebody's life, you know, yeah. never mind, there are plenty of people that I've talked to that firmly believe that early treatment um, saved saved their life but but you're not seeing those stories no. on the mainstream because that would remove the
0: incentive to go out and get more people shot it and boosted up <laughs> yeah no it's, it's such a weird like where it comes from and why people are holding the line so tight if that makes mm-hmm. sense on that on that story specifically like with getting the vaccine shots like where they're not even like oh yeah there's some other options it's like if i want to lose weight i can you know, watch my diet. I can lift weights. I can go for walks. All are good. You know, and they're like, yeah, they should. There's other ways of doing things. It's not just a one size fits all answer.
1: Exactly. I mean, and we've never seen it like this intensely. And I mean, I have tried to reach out to colleagues and, and be like, Man, you say you're an investigative journalism. Will you, journalist, will you please like dig a little bit deeper on this? I mean, if you know that even if you're going to look at it on the big picture, like let's say they they say that in I think even in, in Cleveland, Ohio, that that it was mostly unvaccinated or whatever that were in the hospital. Well, can you since you are an investigative journalist, can you dig a little bit deeper on that of the that number? How many are, are overweight? How many have pre-existing oh, yeah. conditions? You know, um, if the majority of them, which I already know the answer to that, if if the majority of them um, are uh, vitamin D deficient or overweight, maybe it would be better serving to the public that you claim to serve to get more of that information pushed out so people can at least prophylactically make sure that they have more vitamin D and are getting plenty of um, sunlight and exercise (laughs) instead of just pushing
0: the jab, (laughs) That doesn't make anybody money, though. Vitamin D is pretty cheap.
1: Exactly. I mean, it, but if they want to feel like, you know, a puppet or a PR rep, then by all means. But I didn't sign up. To, I never wanted to do do public relations. That's oh. why I cried in that advisor's <laughs> office when she's like, well, maybe you should do public relations. I didn't want to do that. Oh, yeah, That's that- not what I wanted to do. I wanted to tell people stories. I wanted to look deeper. I wanted to bring information. And, you know, now I'm having to see many who claim to be journalists doing public relations, doing public relations for these companies, doing public relations for our current president. You know, I don't have a problem with the fact that there was a lot of criticism of Trump by mainstream media because the media is supposed to do that. You're supposed to be critical of those in power. Absolutely. But the fact that they're not doing it
0: now. <laughs> it's like what It's like what changed? <laughs> it's kind of blatantly changed. Yeah.
1: So, you know, at least like do it with the same veracity and then we don't have a problem because you are tasked with holding those in power accountable.
0: So do it. (laughs) And so you started your own website and what would you call it? Like a TV channel or web channel? Help me out with the terminology here. All this stuff is too new and I'm old.
1: Well, I mean, that's how I often feel actually (laughs) is like too old. I'm like breaking into this whole new thing and having to learn all new things. And I I do, I feel old. I'm like, oh my gosh. Every time I think that I have uploaded my content to plenty of social media platforms, I find out another one I'm supposed to be like generating content on, you know, and it's just, and then you have to learn each of those. So, I mean, it has been, an overwhelming process. Um, It's also been a process of, like, self-discovery and figuring out what I want to do. So something that I do now is not something that I envisioned myself doing before, um, which is I do a weekly wrap-up of all of the, what I call, media malfeasance, where they're ignoring, sensationalizing, um, ignoring, or, or just giving you outright lies. Um, so I, I have always have plenty of content, sadly. (laughs) Um, so I collect that throughout the week and then I wrap it up all up into what I hope is an entertaining manner. Um, so people can at least see how they're being gaslit, how the, the propaganda is being pushed at them. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that it's like kind of educational in that way. Um, so that is something that I did not plan to do at the beginning. It just kind of became that. Um, and then other than that, like I'm just interviewing people that I feel like their voices have been suppressed. I, because if I made a commitment to be a voice for the voiceless, that doesn't only apply to like social justice issues. I mean, you have a a situation in society right now where people are being censored and ridiculed and silenced who have a right and have the the credentials (laughs) to be heard. So if I'm going to be a voice for the voiceless, I'm going to concentrate on doing whatever I can to amplify those voices that I feel like are being actively suppressed. And so for me, that first voice was Dr. Robert Malone. He was my very first independent news interview. (laughs) And, um, boy, we've come a long way since then, but, um, I've interviewed him. Um, I've interviewed Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Because he has this amazing book out that, um, of course the mainstream media would tell you that he's anti-vax, which is ridiculous. Uh, but this is a book that has 2,200 citations. Oh, I mean, that's insane. It's, it, it's well sourced. So don't like the book if you don't want to, but, but to act and throw like a conspiracy label on something that is well sourced is insane to me. Um, no, absolutely. And then it's just kind of grown from there. I, I mean, just, Trying to, to interview, like I said, people that I, I feel like have something important to say and is with as much veracity as the mainstream media is trying to silence them and really fuel them, I'm trying to get get the information out.
0: <laughs> if you could interview, if you could pick someone to interview, who would you want to interview right now?
1: Man, that is a good question. I, I I actually because I'm like so busy on content, I actually keep like a running list, like wait oh, list yeah. of like people, <laughs> so I don't forget. Um, Who's on the like top on of the list? Like
0: huh? Who's on the top list? Would be a few people. Like man, I love... mean,
1: when you said that, the first the first thing that popped in my mind was President Trump,
0: only because I feel like
1: um, I want to hold him accountable in a different way. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like. I feel like there's so much I don't understand about what he did, especially after talking to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. You know, for him to have formed a uh, vaccine safety commission and he was had that in the works, you know, with um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. like at the helm, you know, reaching across the aisle, all good things. And then to suddenly allow that to dissolve after he gets a, million dollar inaugural donation from, from Pfizer. Oh. I have some questions about that,
0: right? <laughs> you
1: know, and then to continue to um, push this, I mean, granted, he does continue to say like, I wouldn't mandate anything, but like, like what is your motivation for continuing to push this so heavily? I, I, I guess that's the reason his name first popped in my, my mind is because I, I really have legitimate,
0: um, Questions that I want him to answer. <laughs> right? Well, those are some good questions and some good thoughts to ask him. Mm-hmm. We, we always joke, like, because my wife works in HR for a tech company, and we're like, Trump's one of those people where it's like, you'd like to work with him for like a year or two, but then you'd probably have so many HR complaints against him, he's probably too much of a right. It's like, he'll do well right. for a little right. bit, but then it kind of builds up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so, if people want to connect with you, what's the I'd best love way? i to interview. Um, Jordan Peterson, though, too. I find oh, his yeah.
1: interviews fascinating and his thoughts on things, and it's frustrating because I'm, I've am i been trying to interview him. He's going to be here in Austin. I think he's here today, actually, oh, yeah. and I've not been able to connect with him. So if anyone knows for a way right? for me to connect with him, that would be great. That
0: would be incredible.
1: No, mm-hmm. I, I, Yeah, he, he would be really fascinating to talk to. Him.
0: Yeah, no, I could see that. My wife actually got me tickets to see him here. He's coming to Denver in March. Oh, awesome! So yeah, so no, I'm excited to hear that too. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to connect with you?
1: Oh my goodness! Like I said, I'm adding. I'm adding <laughs> <laughs> all of the social medias, you know, that you can. So, um, I mean, right now, I mean, I'm on, fa- well, Facebook, Instagram, I'm Christy Lee TV, Twitter, Christy Lee TV, pretty much across the board. Um, my uncensored content will always be available on my website which is klim.news which stands for Christy lee independent media or you can just go to christyleetv.com. um and then i do have some some plans for a larger presence on cloud hub soon oh yeah have you heard of those social media web- I, have not, ad-
0: I have not i have not i am old so <laughs>
1: um well i I've, i actually i've actually been talking to the ceo recently and oh, they nice. have like done a major overhaul on Cloud Hub, which is, um, I had, there's been some concerns out there about Getter and ownership and like them being just as much as like everybody else. And then obviously True Social, it looks like it's going to have many of the same restrictions. So I really like um, Cloud Hub, like their their independence, their, their fallback plan if like they were taken off of the App Store. And then they've done like a complete overhaul as far as like including a lot of the features that we seek out in different apps. So if you've heard of Clubhouse, which is um, where people can really actually get in on the conversation themselves, and hmm. um, and it's all you know audio that they're gonna have that kind of a feature. So pretty much like Kyle Hub could end up being like your one place for for videos, for conversations, for groups, for um, for events. I really like that aspect because it, it does get kind of overwhelming to. <laughs> Putting everything on all of these different sites and adapting right? the content for each. So I, I like the way that CloudHub, the direction that they're going and trying to make it like a one-stop shop where where you have all of those features.
0: No, that's great. I'll have to look that one up. CloudHub? CloudHub, yeah. Well, did I miss anything, anything you want to share before we've this up? Gosh,
1: I mean, I feel like there's always so much to say. But, like, I I, I guess the thing that I would want to leave with is to encourage people to not play into the division, to not allow the the powers that be, if you will, to keep us divided. There's actually a lot of things that I think we can all agree on. And I think that we just need to start looking at things as – us versus, you know, the bureaucrats. Us versus the the advertisers and corporate people, and and not so much R versus D, red versus blue. Like, can we get to a point where we figure out what we agree on and and unite against
0: the politicians and
1: and um, the elite, you know, and and make a better situation for all of us?
0: No, absolutely. I like it. I like. It. I like that you're also pushing a voice for the voiceless. I like that too. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, we live in America. There's no reason we should be seeing this degree of what we can and cannot say and who we can and cannot talk to. If you want that, then there's other countries. <laughs>
0: it is. Yeah.
1: You can move
0: to. Oh yeah. No, there's a whole other line of question down that road, along with how that has impacted the church. Yeah. So, but no. Chris, yeah. I could, yeah, no, I could go, I could go another hour about the church and the division and all that fun stuff too. So, yeah. so you, yeah. uh, I appreciate Christy Lee. I appreciate you spending the time. I appreciate hearing your insight. Interesting story on the, uh, the uh, kind of a behind the scenes look at, uh, what corporate media looks like at times. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Yep. Well thank you so much. Anything and well Christy Lee Lee and KLIM.news. Yeah. Those are the best ones?
1: Yep. Same same place, yeah. <laughs> perfect. Whatever's easiest for you to remember. <laughs> All right,
0: perfect. Thank you so much.
1: All right, thank you.